Welcome to another dynamic word from Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor of Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. Are you ready for the word? All right, we're going to open up our Bibles this morning, and in just a moment we're going to be going, uh, uh, I'll be quoting a very familiar passage uh, to, uh, to our congregation, those of you that listen, uh, because I say it quite a lot, but then we're going to be going to, be going to John the 8th chapter here uh, for our text. And uh, before we get started, in fact, there's two verses I'm going to quote, actually. Uh, one of them will read, one of them I'll quote. Romans, the eighth chapter in verse 28 says that God works all things together for good. And exactly what A.J. was saying a moment ago, God is working what's going on in our lives for good. Life is a process. The journey is our friend. And we have every reason uh, to, to cling to the hope that God has given us that he is actually involved in our lives in a very detailed and intricate way. You know, he is, he is, uh, he is um, a part of everything that we are doing. And even though things may not always, you know, un uh, look like they're unfolding in a way that we would have them, nonetheless, uh, we trust God. God knows what he is doing, and all things work together for good. Uh, and, and, and I'm doing something this morning that is a little bit odd, because normally, I, I, whatever God gives me during the week, if God gives me something on Monday, then by the time Monday evening gets here, I have already given it out. I love fresh bread. Do you like fresh bread? I like fresh bread. In fact, I'm a sucker for fresh bread. Okay, I buy fresh bread, and I even buy bread that I can bake. I've even tried a few times to make it myself, but I love fresh bread. I love the aroma of it, the taste of it, the satisfaction of it. And so that's one of the things that I have been doing for a number of years is that if God gives me something on Monday, I give it out as fresh bread. If he gives me something on Tuesday, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, God cannot, uh, I'll, I'll put this in a way that maybe you'll understand it. God cannot trust me with anything. <laughs> because if he gives it to me, I'm going to give it to the next person I meet. You know, I'm, uh, and, and it's just, it's just been something I've done all my life. And I, I, I find it very hard not to do so. Uh, but this particular week, uh, that's one of the reasons I wait till Saturday uh, to study for something because if I studied on Friday by Saturday it's I've already preached it ten times um, uh, but but come uh, uh, this past week this past Monday God began to speak to me and I began to write notes and and you know and, and, and in my nighttime and my daytime and he just speak to me and speak to me and speak to me and um, I, I thought it interesting because uh, each day he would just go back over it again, go back over it again, go back over it again. And uh, so I found that to be odd uh, right up until, you know, uh, yesterday whenever I sat down to study. And I said, okay, Lord, what do you want for tomorrow? And boom, it was already all there, which is kind of odd to me. But I love the fact that God gives us knowledge of things 
and, and prepares us before things come to pass. And so I kind of chuckled whenever I, 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 I wrote uh, the, the, the title to my message. Uh, the, the, the title to the message is Battling the Worries of Life. Isn't that interesting? Uh, because of the situations that, that we're facing, the situations that, 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 that I'm facing, that you're facing. Uh, battling the worries of life. Because, you know, I never have felt worried. I'm not a worrier but battling the worries of life. And so I, I, I found it very interesting. I, I, I sat there and actually uh, uh, laughed two or three times yesterday, and I even uh, tried to change the title because I thought people are going to be thinking I'm preaching to issue, I'm preaching to circumstance, I'm preaching to situation, but I'm not. I am preaching the principles of God. And this is a principle for you. Without regard to what you may be facing today or what someone else in your world may be facing or something that may come along in your future. Let me share with you a word that God has given us about battling the worries of life. And, you know, no one does anything better than Jesus does. Would you agree? No one does anything better than Jesus. He always knows what to say uh, and, 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 and uh, what to do to deal with matters at hand. Um, I suppose it would be impossible to give better advice or more meaningful counsel than to just simply read the Word of God, quote the Word of God, tell a story that's in God's Word. There's no greater counsel, there's no greater advice than God's Word. And uh, uh, I, I, I love it that Jesus even said, don't worry about what you're going to speak or what you're going to say whenever you're called up before magistrates and councils to give some you know, testimony because the Holy Spirit will give you in that very moment. You know, God's already worked in you all the things that he needs you uh, 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 to do in a moment. Even when you're not aware, he is already prepared. I love that. And, I, and I've, I've, I've often said that the Word of God is not the Word of God unless it is the Word of God. Now, uh, what that literally means is, is that we must understand what God really meant when He said it. Uh, we cannot just take the Bible and put it into our own desire, our own context, our own interpretation. We cannot take the Bible to try to prove some personal point. We cannot take scriptures from the Bible to advance our own narrative or design or desire. We can't just fling scriptures at one another trying to get other people to do something that we want them to do. Hello. You know, that was tried by the devil on Jesus. You know, I couldn't get Jesus to do what I wanted him to do, the devil said. So I'll just throw a scripture at him, you know. Uh, and, you know, throwing scriptures at people, slinging scriptures, using scriptures to try to motivate people to do something that, that you would want them to do is not a good practice. Because the word of God is not the word of God unless it is the word of God. Unless it's what God intended. As I said, the devil tried his best. He attempted to confuse Jesus by quoting scripture but he did not have the correct interpretation the correct context God did not release to the devil the authority to use that word in that particular situation as well some people through the ages have tried to bend or interpret scriptures to prove or support some personal point of view however the very best way to understand the Bible is to simply read it in light of the one story that God is telling. Now, we cannot, we will not, you will not go wrong 
if you interpret Scripture in light of the one story God is telling. And that one story, the one story of the Bible, is a story of redemption. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, to point out all the problems with other people, but rather to save them. He wants to save the world. That's why Jesus came. And, uh, you know, we must uh, be one of the most blessed generations ever to live on the planet because most of us have instant access to the scriptures most of us have a Bible 24 hours a day within reach most of us carry a Bible around with us on our phones or some other digital device not just the Bible but very various translations most of us within our reach or uh, you know have 10 15 20 Bibles and commentaries we must be one of the most blessed generations to ever live on the planet this is simply amazing you know even when Jesus was walking around on earth people had to be close to him to hear the word uh, now we can just literally uh, turn to it anytime we want to. And this morning I want to share what the Bible has to say about battling the worries of life. We, we see God helping people solve problems throughout the Word of God. All the way from Genesis all the way to Revelation from the very you know a first chapter in Genesis where God encountered a problem and and God began to fix it and work on it and solve it all the way to Revelation uh, the last chapter in the Bible where God is telling us how he's going to solve problems for eternity you know God is a problem solver and and we know that that uh, that the Holy Spirit uh, inspires us and most often what we need from God on a daily basis is help to solve some equation of life, some difficulty, some problem, something that might give us cause to worry. I was uh, looking in a drawer at home uh, uh, recently. Uh, in, in fact, I'm it was actually just this morning and I was pulling some papers out of a drawer and just looking through them because I have a tendency to use almost anything to write things down on uh, and uh, you know I'll just write and then what do I do with what's written who knows you know I mean but I am I am a writer down if I if I you know uh, feel like God has shared something with me or I feel like that there's some bit of wisdom or I've heard someone else say something I will write it down on anything close to me and then I have uh, literally drawers and boxes full of things that make no sense to anyone else and I often have to sit there for a while trying to remember what it was that I wrote that about and uh, you know that's uh, and, but, but I pulled out and, and, and it said something along this line I just written on this, this piece of paper that had been torn off something I wrote um, that um, um, faith helps you deal with fear because most of the time when you need faith, it's because something has given you a chance to be afraid. Something is trying to make you be afraid, and that's why you turn toward faith. Um, you know, worry, uh, fear, you know, anxiety, 
These are the things that people often deal with, and battling these worries is something that God wants to help us with. Whether it's worry about a certain situation that is happening or has happened or that you don't want to happen, or if it's walking through something that, that, that gives cause for trepidation or concern. And uh, the Holy Spirit really does help us. In fact, uh, I'm going to read a very familiar passage before we get to our text. The familiar passage uh, helps us and helps people who are dealing with troubles, trials, tragedies, and attacks of the enemy. Do you know the enemies of our life? Do you know what they most often try to attack? They try to rob you of the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and self-control. They try to rob you of that because if you can produce that fruit, that fruit is designed to, to, to help you be strong in life. And uh, uh, the enemies of Jesus constantly tried to attack His, his grace, His mercy, His forgiveness. Because the forgiveness of God is what we look toward. We need His grace. We need His mercy. And there are enemies of grace and mercy. And if we're not watchful, the enemy of our life and the enemies of others can get us into a place to where uh, if, if we are robbed of love or joy or peace, if we are, are robbed of grace and mercy, we begin to not only feel bad about ourselves, but feel bad about others. We begin to judge or be critical. We, 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 we we can even judge our own selves wrongly in the eyes of God because the devil would love to get you in a place to where you become ineffective. And uh, so this is what the Holy Spirit gave us. In Philippians, the fourth chapter, very familiar before we get to our John 8 text, in the New Living Translation, verse 6, you're very familiar with it, four simple steps Okay, uh, don't worry about anything, number one. We're going to talk about that in a moment because that's, that's, you can say that, don't worry about anything, but how do you battle the worries? How do you actually not worry? How do you actually defeat worry? We can say don't worry, we can say don't be anxious, but give me some tools to deal with that so that I'm not allowing that to, to dominate my life. Don't know, number one, don't worry about anything. Number two, instead pray about everything. Number three, tell God what you need. And number four, thank Him for all He has done. There's a very, very good four-step process there that the Holy Spirit gave us in life to deal with things that come at us. Verse 7 says, then, now if you will do that, if you will not worry about anything, instead pray about everything, if you will tell God what you want, and then begin to thank and praise Him for everything He has done, building a testimony. This is what the angel Gabriel said to Mary, go down to, to, uh, to see your cousin Elizabeth. Why? Because you need confirmation. You need to see what God has done so that you can believe Him to do something that He's never done before in your life. Go down and see what God did for Elizabeth in her old age. She's going to have a child. And so Mary goes down and she sees and immediately she begins to thank the Lord for all that He has done. You see, these are seals that help us to deal with uh, 
worries and hope that we begin to be, uh, be cognizant. We begin to recognize and we begin to rehearse all the things God has done. If we'll do that, then, then uh, the Holy Spirit instructs, you will experience God's peace. Isn't that what we're looking for? Not worrying about anything, God's peace. Then we will begin to experience the peace of God, uh, uh, which exceeds anything we can understand. I don't know how in the world people can have peace whenever they you know, uh, tell me the things that they are facing or going through, the things they have gone through, or the things they are uh, you know, concerned about, legitimate things. How in the world can you have peace in the midst of all of this turmoil? It's because you have ceased to worry and that you have instead, you know, uh, 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 told God, uh, you, you, you've prayed about it, you've told him what you need, and, and then you've thanked him, you begin to praise him. And all of a sudden, there's a peace that passes all understanding that comes from the Holy Spirit and surrounds our heart, our minds, and keeps us in the peace of God. And his peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ. Wow. Uh, you know, uh, don't worry about anything. But how in the world does a person not worry? How do you worry when you're threatened with personal loss or sickness or divorce or bankruptcy or unplanned pregnancy, betrayal, the death of a loved one, or some other trial, tragedy, or attack from the enemy? Where is the foundation upon which we stand? What steps can we take to deal with my temptation to be worried? You know, what, well... We find the answers all throughout the Bible. I, I, I was looking for uh, uh, this week as God was speaking to me. And I love the fact that he spoke to me preemptively. Isn't that neat? Because, uh, you know, uh, uh, when, whenever uh, the trials come along, one of the things I like to do is I like to look back and see what God has prepared me for. Well, what has God already said to me? So that I can say, okay, you know, he was there all along. He knew a million years ago. And now he has already, you know, uh, prepared us for things before we get to a place and so when I was looking for uh, an account in the Bible that typified this uh, during the week and, and I looked at so many uh, I, I decided yesterday to share out of John chapter 8 so if you will look with me in John chapter 8 uh, we're going to begin in verse 2 uh, that's where the day begins uh, Jesus had been in the temple in Jerusalem the day before, had, you know, had a, a, a few, uh, um, um, you know, um, uh, interactions with some people that liked him, a few interactions with some people that didn't. Everybody went home for the night, and the next day Jesus comes back to the temple. He comes back into the city uh, from Bethany where he is staying. Verse 2, now early in the morning Jesus came again into the temple. Now let me describe the temple for you for just a moment. Jesus, it, it's, it's like coming to a sanctuary. It's like coming into the sanctuary of God, but you know, a lot more ornate than where we are sitting, a lot different than probably wherever you may be at this moment. But imagine this ornate, holy, godly, wonderful temple in which uh, all of spiritual life, this is where God was. This is where you went to see God. This is where you went to visit with God and you carried your prayers, your offerings, your sacrifice. This is, this is, this is meant to be a sanctuary 
where you can you know, uh, hear the prayers, participate in prayers, and, and bring your offerings to the Lord. It's the place that you come to meet with God. It's not necessarily a place that sinners come. It's not necessarily a place that, that the world comes. It's a place where God's children, it was, it was a place for God's children, okay? For them to come and worship and praise and pray and to, to learn. So Jesus came into the temple and all the people came to him and he sat down and taught them. Imagine with me, if you would, that Jesus has found a quiet place in this temple on the Temple Mount. He's found this place, a little enclave perhaps, a little corner, maybe something with a, with a, with a shade and some, some places to sit. And people, a lot of people are sitting down because they're wanting to hear him teach. And Jesus is just wanting to share principles of life principles of the kingdom you know uh, Jesus is in this moment now if if you can imagine the the, the Old Testament uh, uh, was so much different than the New Testament the Old Testament period was so much different than the New Testament period the Old Testament period was a period of God judging and punishing sinners okay and that's about what you could look forward to judgment criticism, you know, uh, judging of sinners. But the New Testament period is a period of God having separated sinners from their sin. And it's a period of saving sinners, okay, and, and, and getting the sin from their life, removing sin. And it's a period of God saving sinners. And Jesus is stuck right in that middle. Here Jesus is. He's come in an Old Testament period, but he's trying to tell the people about a new, a new covenant. He's trying to tell the people. Uh, you, you, you may have remembered that Jesus said, uh, you know, you have heard it said that you shall not. But I am saying, he's saying things are changing, a little perspective change here, okay? Now, it's not that God, you know, agrees with sin. It's just that he is now bringing on the scene the blood of his son to deal forever with the penalties of sin so that you are no longer condemned for sin, but he's sent me to save you not to condemn you the law the bible says pointed out your sin jesus pointed out righteousness and so here there is a little change going on within these few years that jesus is ministering he's trying to tell about a new thing that has not yet been understood or embraced and this is one of the reasons why the Pharisees are having such trouble with Jesus is because the Pharisees you know have always and studied and always been involved and thought that they were called to preserve the judgment of sinners they never imagined the salvation of sinners it was off of their radar. It was outside of, 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 of their understanding that someone could sin and be forgiven. Does this make sense? And so here Jesus is, 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 is teaching about a kingdom that is coming and principles. And he's sharing about you know, love and forgiveness and all these things. And so... Remember, he came to redeem. He came to save, not to condemn. Okay? He came to save. So, uh, verse 3. Then the scribes 
and Pharisees brought to Jesus a woman caught in adultery, taken in adultery, found in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, now basically get this picture, Jesus is teaching a group of people, it would be like me teaching you right here, and all of a sudden someone drags a woman in who is caught, taken in adultery, and brings her up here to the front and sits her on the platform right here. It's kind of interruptive, wouldn't you think? Hello? That's the same thing that happened there. They had come into a sanctuary. They had come into a moment. They were listening. And all of a sudden, something, uh, uh, you know, uh, someone interrupted with an agenda and came to the very front and set this woman in front of the crowd in the midst. And verse 4, and they said to Jesus, teacher. This woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now that is kind of a really, in that day and in our day, but more so in that day, kind of a real charged accusation. I mean, all of a sudden, it elicits this burning rage of, oh my goodness, where are the stones? Okay, we get, oh, goody, 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 we get to stone somebody. I mean, come on, uh, you know, Jesus is trying to teach about a different nature that we should have. But all these people have ever heard is that God wants this woman dead. That's what they believed. That's all they had ever been taught. That God wants me to kill this woman. See, that's so foreign to your imagination. But it was not to theirs. This is the only message they had ever had. And can you imagine then what is going on in their minds? What's going on? Well, uh, um, verse 5, Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned, but what do you say? Now, uh, these scribes and Pharisees in this account, they did not care about the woman. They did not care about the law of Moses. It was not about that. Uh, they were trying to offer to Jesus some reason that his reputation could be ruined, that his influence could be diminished, because he was gaining more influence than they had. You know, uh, and, and, and they are right. The law of Moses did say she should be stoned. But what the law of Moses said, many times people cherry pick a scripture and say, you know, they throw a scripture at someone, but they didn't throw the whole scripture. Because it also said that the man should be stoned as well and that they should take him outside of the city. When you catch him, take him outside the city and stone both of them. Okay? What are they doing bringing this sinner into the temple? So while they are claiming that this is what we should do, they're leaving out the parts that they should have done. Does that make sense? That's what God says, whenever you judge another person, you are condemning yourself because there's no way. I mean, they were condemned. They, they were saying, you know, uh, you know, she's broken the law of Moses. Well, so have you. Number one, where is he? Number two, what are y'all doing here? Hello? Does that make sense? Okay. What do you say, Jesus? Verse 6, this they said, testing him that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger. Listen to this phrase. I love this phrase. This has got to be one of the best phrases, you know, uh, in, in, in the whole Bible. 
Okay. <laughs> As though he did not hear. Ooh, I think that's what we ought to do whenever people start accusing other people in front of us. We ought to just turn around, you know, find something else to do as though we did not hear them. This is an example. As though he did not hear. We'll, we'll revisit that again in a moment. Because they were testing him. But, but, you know, bear in mind, Jesus loved them. Jesus came to save people just like the scribes and the Pharisees. Verse 7. So when they continued asking him, they, hey, 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 buddy, we're talking to you. Hey, hey, stand up here. Look at me. Hey, can't you hear this? Hey, look, we're talking adultery. She's an adulteress. Hello, 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 hello. Uh, stone, where's the stone? What do you think? What do you think we should do? Come on, tell us. What did you know? I mean, come on, relentless. They continued and continued and continued. And, and so he finally raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And then he stooped back down again and started writing on the ground. Now, we don't know what he wrote. There have been a lot of good messages about what he wrote. Some people imagine that he wrote names of the women they had lusted after in the ground, there in the dirt. <laughs> You know, they were standing around him. I mean, it'd be like me, you know, somebody coming here and doing that, and I sit down and start writing on the stage, you know, Brunhilde, you know, <laughs> Jasmine. Where they could read it, he was not publicly coming against him and saying, well, what about you? Well, what about you? Well, what about you? Well, you know you did this too. No. You see, what Jesus was doing was between him and them. Then those who heard it, verse 9, being convicted by their conscience. I love the power of the Holy Spirit. They went out one by one, beginning with the oldest. <laughs> yeah. Probably more names there. <laughs> Other things worthy, perhaps, of being stoned. From the oldest even to the last, and Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. And when Jesus, verse 10, had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to the woman, Where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? And she said, No one, Lord. Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. In closing this morning, let me share four things that you can use to help you battle the worries of life. Okay? The pressures, the problems, the trials, the tribulations, the attacks. Remember, don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Tell God what you want and what you need and then thank Him for all the things He's ever done for you in the past and all the things He's done for others. But how do we deal with those things that, that give us stress and pressure us? How do we deal with these things? How do we keep from worrying? You know, because if the devil can get you on that uh, slide, on that avalanche of worry, then uh, it is very difficult at times to stand back up and 
get back into the confidence. We're not watchful. We can begin to worry. I love what Jesus did. Number one, I'll offer to you, and these are things that I have been doing personally. Those of you that know me, you, you will have heard this. Uh, uh, you will have heard this so many times. Uh, but uh, this is uh, one of the strategies, one of the principles of life. And sometimes it aggravates people as it aggravated these Pharisees and scribes who wanted to be heard. They felt like they weren't being heard. They felt like they weren't being appreciated. They had an issue and Jesus wasn't paying attention to them. Number one, minimize the problem. Minimize. This is what I do. I minimize a problem in my mind immediately. I minimize it. I make it smaller, not bigger. Why? Because you start making it bigger pretty soon, it'll be bigger than your God. It'll be bigger than his ability to fix it. Don't allow the problem to get bigger than God. And don't let it dominate your moment. Jesus didn't. Don't let it dominate your thoughts, the thoughts in your mind. And certainly don't let it dominate the thoughts in other people's minds or the conversations. Make it smaller. Make it, make it smaller than your God. Make it smaller than you, smaller than your ability uh, to, to do. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Don't allow things to, to put you to the place to where, uh, uh, you know, uh, you know uh, this is the big one. I'm going home, you know. Minimize. We have to minimize. We have to continue to speak in faith. We, faith. We, have, to, we have to keep things in perspective that God is able and I am able. So minimize. One of the things that we should do so that things don't end up overwhelming us is that we should not allow our problems to grow in our minds so bad, so big, so overwhelming, that we end up entering into the drama of the problem. Every problem has its own drama. But once you enter into the excitability of a problem, you, 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 you can lose... Uh, you know, a grasp of reality. The reality is God can handle this. You can lose that reality if you're not watchful in the emotion and the excitement and the drama of a problem. So minimize. You know, Jesus acted as though he did not even hear them. He didn't go, oh my goodness, call it adultery. And what are y'all doing here, by the way? And where's the man? And no, 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 no. He just turned around, stooped down, started doodling in the sand acted like he didn't even hear them. He took control of his own mind, his own moment, and of the moment. He didn't allow the drama to dominate the moment. Jesus didn't feel obligated to enter into their drama. Uh, you know, we can hurt for people, we can be concerned, but don't, don't allow the drama to dominate. Number two, uh, number one, minimize the problem. Number two, contain the problem. You know, we do this even with infectious diseases. Well, I don't think COVID was minimized, but, uh, and I don't even know that it was contained. But these are normally things that you would want to do to keep panic down and to keep it from getting farther out and infecting more people. 
contained. Jesus didn't make public statements about what these men were doing or about what they had done. You know, uh, 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 he just said, listen, let him who was out sin cast the first stone. Jesus didn't let everybody know, hey, look, let me tell you what they did. You know, in his attempt to save the woman, he didn't destroy the men. Hello. <laughs> okay. Uh, Jesus was a bridge between the old and the new covenant, as I said. And, uh, you know, uh, Jesus wanted to forgive and to redeem and to save everybody in the equation. He loved everybody. Number one, he minimized the problem. Number two, he, he, he contained the problem. And number three, he neutralized the problem. That's what you do. You have to neutralize it. What do I mean? That means you need to take its, its weapons away from it. You need to take, that's exactly what, what Caleb and Joshua tried to do in the minds of the children of Israel. Here, the ten spies, if you've read this in Numbers uh, chapter 13, 14, the ten spies were trying to create drama and fear and worry, and, 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 and Joshua and Caleb were trying to help them battle their fears and battle their worries. And they said, listen, their defense has departed from them. We are well able. They were trying to neutralize uh, the, 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 the problem, you know, come on, make the problem go away. Get it, get it, you know, uh, uh, make, it, uh, make it smaller. Sure, there are giants in the land, but we're bigger than them. And, and Ten Spies says, no, they're bigger than us. We're like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And Joshua and Caleb says, no, they have no defense. Our God is with us. We are well able. And one was trying to uh, make the problem bigger. One was trying to make the problem smaller. One was trying to contain the problem. One was trying to, you know, uh, 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 in, infect everybody else with their fears and and one was trying to neutralize uh, uh, the enemy and one was trying to empower the enemy uh, uh, you know Jesus waited for the Holy Spirit to neutralize the anger and the resentment and the hatred these men must have felt for him and for others there and Jesus removed the threat against the woman against the man who accused her and even against himself he allowed the Holy Spirit time to work in his own quietness. Listen, give the Holy Spirit a little time. You know, he can do a lot to neutralize the problems. Um, someone asked me recently what, uh, how I dealt with, uh, uh, the, the not, not in light of the last few days, but they asked me recently, how do I deal with things? I told them, I wait until Thursday. I don't worry about anything until Thursdays. <laughs> and if it's still around on Thursday, I'll put it off a week. My wife will tell you that I am not going to be moved by the drama of a problem. It has aggravated her in the past, but um, I'm going to walk slowly to the answer. You know, uh, if there is a, an emergency that needs a quick response, I'll be there. But, you know, other than that, I'm going to make it smaller, minimize it. I'm going to contain it. I'm not going to let everyone feel drama. And I'm going to then neutralize it. I'll give the Holy Spirit time to neutralize the problem and to take away the fears. This is how you deal with worry. And then number four, what Jesus did. You know, he gave the woman counsel as to what to do with her life. We must build beyond the problem. We must look beyond the problem and build beyond the problem. 
You have to, 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 to um, you know, uh, don't, uh, don't allow your past to control your future. That's what he was saying to the woman. You know, uh, go your way and sin no more. Build beyond your problem. Don't get yourself back in this situation. But build, build something different. Uh, you know, uh, and, and, and I believe that those men who left, I believe their lives were changed as well. I bet they had a better future than their past. Build something better and build something beyond. Uh, you see, Jesus loved them. They were trying to destroy him. But Jesus made it all about them. And that's what love does. i leave you with this. Love makes it all about others. When you make it all about others, you can probably successfully defeat the worries of life. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for another dynamic message from Pastor Ron Hammonds. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastor and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.